0: to worship together. Amen. I'm so thankful for a place where our worship is intentional. We don't just hope that it happens. We do it intentionally. Amen. That we set our gaze on Him because He is worthy. <laughs> wow. And the more that we set our gaze on Him, the more that I have found that it changes the way everything else looks. <laughs> Amen. Amen you spend a lot of time looking at him it changes the way everything else looks because he is altogether lovely. You know as I was uh, studying and and preparing for today's message this being the first Sunday in the new year that we gather corporately together this the 5th of January. I love 5. I love the number 5 because it symbolizes grace and mercy. It's uh, in biblical numerology. It uh, stands for grace. And, you know, every time I see five, I just get excited. Uh, I was born in the five month. So I'm just a grace baby. I'm just saying. But uh, it's uh, it just encourages me because it's, you know, if you understand the true meaning of grace, it's not a license to sin. It's a license for love, <laughs> It's, it's to be able to receive His love beyond that which we see ourselves worthy of. And uh, it's to set our gaze on the one that's worthy. And, you know, that's been this week, coming up to this week and into this week, the thing the Lord has just really uh, been purposing in my heart is where I set my gaze every day. We have a choice every day where we set our gaze. And uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities that present themselves, but we have a choice where we're going to set our gaze. And I'm convinced that how we make that decision determines not just that day, but I believe it sets the course for our lives because we, it's so easy. You know, humans are such um, creatures of habit. We, we love to do what we've always done uh, because we know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> Even if that's not good, you know, I've seen so many people on the, break, on the edge of breakthrough and deliverance in their lives, but they're not willing to embrace it because they don't know what it'll look like. And uh, I'm not one for little cliches. I'm not one for little rhyming things and all of that, you know, that's normally not my thing. And uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> just to be totally transparent, my email this week was one thing in 2014. For those who got it. And it wasn't because I was trying to be cute. It was because in 2010 I sent out an email called one thing. It was totally different. But it was called one thing. And I was like no I like that. So I just put 2014. I was like Lord you're good. That rhymes. (laughs) It just. It makes. Made sense. (laughs) So one thing in 2014. And the thing the Lord just kept bringing me back to. Is if. You know we've heard this before. If we keep the main thing the main thing. It'll change everything. And uh, as I was just studying and preparing, and I was thinking about uh, Mary, and I was thinking about uh, this passage in Philippians. So uh, my declaration over the river fellowship for, again, I'm not a, it's not about the rhyming thing. It's just the Lord is that good. He, he, he let it rhyme for me. That's how much he loves me. But Philippians 3.14, it says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that's the ESV, Philippians 3, 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and if you you go back to uh, this passage of scripture, in Philippians chapter 3, what's leading up to it, Paul's talking about his uh, verse two, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for they are, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You can say Amen right there. Amen. Have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I love this. Paul's so humble. <laughs> He said, if anybody could glory in what you've done in the natural, in the flesh, as far as how you've, ex- how you've expressed your love to God, if you can do it, I can do it more. You know that little song, anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better than you. That's kind of, I think it came from Paul. <laughs> Some of you need to laugh. But Paul said here... You know, if you want to boast in what you've done, I can I can boast. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. See, here's what I respect about Saul, Paul, before he was converted to Saul. There were a lot of religious leaders in that day. How many of you even know that Paul wasn't the only Pharisee? But Paul was so tenacious in his belief toward God that he went and got from the the leaders, he went and got letters so that he could persecute, that he could imprison, even put to death, those who he thought were a cult. See, Paul, Saul didn't hate God. He was passionate about God. You know, that's why I see people today who are zealous. And many times they are... their zeal is in ignorance. They're looking, they, they've got a platform, they've got a, a, a doctrine that to them, if you're not like me, then it just sep- you can't fellowship with me. And why I, I don't like the separation, what I do is what I do see in them that you can value is that they're willing to stand up when everybody else is sitting down. They, they may be doing it in ignorance. I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. Do you hear me? But what I'm saying is they believe so much in what they're saying. Yeah, I, I had someone tell me who used to come here. They at the end of the service they come and they said, "Man, I really enjoyed that message. I don't know that I believe everything you said, but man, you do." I said, "Amen." <laughs> That was Paul, man, Paul believed that what he was doing, he said that, he said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew, I mean, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he said, as far as not just saying, this is what I believe, but actually living it out, he said, there wasn't anybody doing it any better than me. That's commendable. Are you with me? Because what I see, what I have seen in those who believe in grace, those who believe in the free gift of God, is that many times it will cause you to be lazy. Not because that's the intention of it, but because we'll just sit back and we'll just think, God finished it all, so all I have to do is just sit back. Now, I am not about uh, the do. What I am about is the be. And as I be, I do. It's just that simple. We, we, because of who we are, the life of God comes out of us. But what I'm saying is, in case you get lost in my words to the remainder of the message, I'm going to tell you the main point right here in the beginning. It's being intentional. We're going to see through the scriptures, even through the one that I, that I pointed out in the email on Friday morning, is that it's not going to just happen. You've got to be Intentional. I, I've shared this before, I remember being in, in Bible college and I had a professor that really made me mad because he made this statement, you're as close to God as you want to be. And I said, no, that's not true because I knew how to pray those prayers. Oh God, I want more of you. Maybe I've never done it. No, maybe you've never been in your prayer closet crying out to God, God, I just want more, I just want more, I just want more. Is that a heartfelt, is that a real place? Absolutely. But what didn't line up is my heart, my cry didn't line up with my walk. Are you hearing me? Okay, let me just get it simple. So I was crying, God, I want more of you, I want more of you, I want more of you. But I was spending all my time doing my things. I was spending all my time at that time when I was really, uh, I was in Bible college. I mean, if it was doing, I was doing. I was in Bible college. I was uh, teaching Sunday school. I was at church every time the doors were open. I've shared this not too long ago. Uh, the only day I think that I wasn't at church was only two days I wasn't there. It was Friday and Saturday. And I made up for it because I was there twice on Sunday. So I, was, I, w- I had the doing part down. But outside of just what I was doing in the church, my attention was on playing golf. My attention was on all these things. Is golf bad? No. Absolutely not. Is hunting bad? Absolutely not. But my attention, my, my zeal was on those things and not on him. Does that make sense? That's where my zeal was. I'm a zealous person. I'm not a passive kind of a person. I'm a very zealous person. So it's easy for me to set my attention on something and just go, to go for it. And uh, th- what the Lord was showing me through that professor at school was just this. It, it was locating where my attention was set, where it was set. So, going into this week's message, and again, if you look at Philippians chapter three, verse fourteen, how do, uh, it says this: "I press on." Who said that? Paul. Paul said, "I press on." So let's go back to um, verse seven. He said this: "But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ." Yet indeed, I also also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, is he saying I had to do all these things so that I could get Christ? Absolutely not. What he is saying is this, all those things I was doing when I received Christ, I realized they were just rubbish. Are you with me? Were they bad things? No. What he's talking about is how he was pursuing. It was all his pursuit of God instead of his receiving of God's pursuit of him. It's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. He said, verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is, is from God by faith. Verse 10 that I might know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have attained, already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has, la- has laid hold of me. He said, I've, I've shifted my attention. He said, now... I'm not trying to lay hold of righteousness. I'm laying hold of righteousness because it's laid hold of me. That's a totally different perspective. It's not I'm doing all of these righteous things to be righteous. He said, I'm doing these righteous things because I've been made righteous. Brethren, verse 13, that's when he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended or to grasp this thing. But one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said this, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. He said, I forget what's behind so that I can press ahead. You know what I've seen uh, so true in my life is this, I can't hold on to what's behind and get what's ahead. I can't hold on to what's behind and, and reach for what's ahead. And the thing that the Lord has really been showing me, that it's so easy for us to look at the bad things and say, I've got to let go of the bad things. But he's saying, he's saying this too, what we need to do is celebrate our victories, but move forward. Don't camp in them. <laughs> That's so easy to do. It's so easy to have a victory and celebrate that victory, which we should, but it's so easy to just camp in that place. And then what we do is we get our identity out of that victory, and there are other things that God's wanting us us, to take us into, but we can't get into them because we're stuck in this. And as I study the scripture, it says that we go from glory to glory. Glory. How do we go from glory to glory? As we behold him. As we behold him, we're moved from glory to glory. And the only way that that'll happen is just like he said here. It's through intentionality and purpose. You're going to have to be intentional. And, and two, you've got to have purpose. You've got to know that you have purpose. And many people don't know they have Purpose. Many people think they're just here to to make it to the end. They don't see themselves as any value, or that they're. And and this isn't one of those puff up, feel good move, uh, messages, movies, messages for the first of the year. Really, what it is, what I want to do is get our 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 vision aligned. Listen to Psalms one thirty nine, fourteen. Very familiar passage of scripture. He says, "I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous." are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I want to read it to you from Young's Literal Translation. Now, Young's Literal Translation is hard to read as far as just as a translation that you want to read from beginning to end, because it's very literal. It puts it in there exactly with the, how it's being stated grammatically, so sometimes it wouldn't make sense. Like, it'll put an action verb in the action tense when you wouldn't say it that way. That this really confused everybody, right? So let me read it. Verse, thir- verse 14 of Psalm 139, Young's Little Translation. I confess thee because that with wonder, that with wonders. <laughs> so I'm going to drop the that, okay? Because with wonders I have been distinguished. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul is knowing it well. You see what I'm saying? He didn't say my soul knows, past tense. In, in the Hebrew, it literally means is knowing, present tense, process, is knowing that right, right well. And what does that matter? Listen to what he said, I confess thee because with wonders I have been distinguished. See, listen, if you understand that he distinguished you, with wonder he distinguished you. I've shared this before. Do you understand that every person ever born has a unique thumbprint? That's distinguished. (laughs) There's not another like you that has the same thumbprint. You know, a a collectible is, there's two things that set the value of uh, something that's collectible. One is its, its uniqueness, and two is what somebody's willing to pay for it whether it be an antique, uh, whether it be whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be just be a, an antique. It can be a new car, and they only made 100 of these new cars. So it's, it's unique, and it's what willing, people are willing to pay for. it. And you know what I found? It, that people are willing to pay uh, absorb, <laughs> I mean, crazy fees for things that just pass away. What's so encouraging to me is that God created us very unique. There's only one of me. He distinguished me and He made me unique, wonderfully. He made me. And that I call I am worth to Him His Son. I am worth to Him His Son coming living as a man and dying to buy my redemption. To redeem me from the curse of the law, to redeem me from the burden of the penalty of sin, so that I could live as a son on the earth today. Wow. <laughs> Again, I, I mentioned this uh, earlier, Second Corinthians 3:18, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding us in the mirror, the glory of God, of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to go- glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. See, the Lord just really spoke this to my heart, and it may not sound that unique, but he said, I created you original, so don't settle for being a copy. I created you an original, so don't settle for being a copy. We've been distinguished by our creator. That's so amazing. I used to say that a lot in youth ministry. Don't try to be a little Todd, because then all you'll be is a good imitation. But you be the best you that you can be. And I believe that's what the Lord is saying. And here's the purpose of that. Us being the best we, me that I can be is not just so I can feel good about myself. It's because there's a world that's looking for the reality of a creator, the living God who's alive on the earth today, living in me. Creation is looking, not just creation, the world is looking for the real deal. You know, Paul, if you look at Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, I I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, First Corinthians 2, verse 4 says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And in verse 19 of chapter 4, he says this, But I will come to you uh, if the Lord wills, and we'll find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but by their power. You hear me? Paul said, There are those who, who are... Talking about it, but I'm coming and when I come, we'll see who's just got a lot of talk or who's walking in power (laughs) And I'm telling you that's what distinguishes us today. That's what should distinguish us today in The world of religion If you will just in society is that those who call themselves Christians should walk in that power that Jesus said that we're to have He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We are to go out, but we go out not just in word, we go out in power. And the only way that's going to happen is through being intentional. Again, as I was looking at this, he said, uh, if you look in Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Who does? I do. Even in John, John 14, he said, let not, you have to let not. No one else can let not for you. You have to let not your heart be troubled. You have to believe in God. Again, if you go to Second um, Peter chapter 1, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here because I want you to understand it's not just our self will to making a better us. The power behind this, the power that we're going to walk in is, in is in through partnership with him. And as we set our gaze on him and we allow him to be uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us to the world, as we set our gaze on him, the power is not something that we, pro- that we produce. It's just an outflow of who we are. 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be uh, partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he says, to you who have obtained like precious faith. What I love about that is is Peter is establishing here that this isn't something I have because I walked with Jesus. This is something I have because of faith in what Jesus did. So I can say that anyone in this room who has been born again who has relationship with Jesus, that Peter is writing here to you that you are one who is of like, precious faith. Does that mean that your faith looks just like his in its expression? No. You know, that's what's so awesome. Even last week, I talked about the Logos and the Rhema. Here's what's so powerful. It's we have to be intentional in understanding that God distinguished us when he made us. He gave us purpose. And as we press into his Logos, into his word, Genesis to Revelation, we'll see pictures and glimpses of who we are to be. And as we do, that's how we can uh, emerge into the unique person that God has created us to be. See, that's what excites me. It's the Bible talks about a body functioning together, every joint supplying. And when it works, when when everyone is doing their part, the body is functioning properly. And you know what? No one gets left out. No one gets left behind. It's not the pastor doing all the work. It's not the, the leader doing all the work. It's not the small group leader. It's us as a body. And what's been so exciting to me in this past year that I am believing God that we press into more and more is I'm seeing us as a body rise up and be a body. I'm seeing us as a body that ministering to the body. Pressing into relationship with him. And as we're doing that, it's being expressed. And it's, it's coming from the youth, from the children and youth all the way up. And that's what, that's the expression that the world is looking for. I mean, when Mark was here, uh, Pastor Mark 20 from Myrtle Beach, when he was here, one of the things that he said is he was on his way here riding, <coughs> he said that he was riding through the neighborhoods here from my house to here. And he said, I just really felt like the Lord saying these neighborhoods have just, they're asleep in religion and what they've seen in religion. But the fire and vitality of relationship that we have in this place is what's going to awaken people into relationship with God. But that only happens as we're intentional. I'll go back to Second Peter. I'm not finished there. but... Again, I want to read this out of Luke chapter 10. Just this one excerpt that I shared in the email Friday is this. But Martha was distracted with much servant and approached him saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part. I've read that over and over and over again, but when I read it this past week, uh friday as i was writing my email the thing that just really jumped out to me is mary chose martha made a choice to serve because that's what was familiar was what martha was doing was it a good thing absolutely remember i told you earlier we in 20 going into 2014 we've got to press into and not allow the good thing stop us from the great thing that he wants to do in us that we celebrate those things? Absolutely. I want you to ponder and celebrate everything the Lord did in 2013. Everything that He did, I have been. This, this past week, I've just been looking back at what the Lord did in, the, in me and what He did in the river, and I celebrate those things. But what I say is this, Lord, I don't want that to be my resting place. What I want that to be is the foundation that I step onto as I go into 2014. See, my heart's desire for you is that my ceiling would be your floor. It wouldn't be your ceiling. That I would tell you that you can believe for more. You can stretch for more. You can see God do more than I've seen done in my life. Does that mean I've resolved and settled in and I'm stopping? Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is this. I'm the guy who's gravity and throwing you ahead. Not because they're shooting at you up there. <laughs> but because I want to see you be the best you that you can be. That's, that's what burns in my heart It's to partner with people because that's the heart of God. The whole reason that God sent Jesus to, to come to the earth was not just so that we wouldn't go to hell, but it's so that he could create in us a partnership that we could rule and reign with him on the earth right now. That we could live as sons in power and authority that darkness could be driven back because the light of his son that lives in us mary chose the good part she had to make a decision and i'm telling you i don't know what 2013 looked like for you I, if you're like me there are things that in 2013 i didn't see that i wanted to see anybody else there were things you were believing for that you didn't see that you want to see but what we can do is we can take those and we can thank God for how we grew through it, and we can say, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to press harder. I'm going to stretch further than I've ever done before. I'm pressing forward. Paul said, "This one. I don't say I've got my mind around it all, but here's what I do. I'm going to forget what's behind." He didn't say, "I'm going to listen." Here's what I'm, he didn't say. I'm going to forget the bad stuff. He said, "I forget what's behind." Even to tag on what I shared last week, Paul said, I'm going to occupy. I'm not just going to own. I'm going to occupy areas that I didn't occupy. You go, well, really, that was cute and everything, but what's the premise of that? If I'm not mistaken, it was Jesus that gave the illustration of the person that the, the demon was cast out. And it said that the place was clean and swept, but when he came back, he noticed that it was empty. It wasn't occupied, and it said he brought seven of his buddies with him, and the man's state was worse in the end than it was in the beginning. It's important that we don't just own truth, but that we occupy it. That it's it's the standard that we move on to. See, if we just gain knowledge, we only become religious. But as we gain knowledge and put it into practice, that's when we own it. And as we own it, there's power released. See, we don't have to perform it. The power to do it is in it. It's in the promise. It, he said in 2 Peter, we have these precious promises, but we have to make a choice to be intentional. Let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, To those who have obtained light, precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So how do we obtain this like precious faith? By righteousness that comes from who? From God through Jesus. Thank you, Samuel. Verse 2 says this, Grace and peace are multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he says this. He, does he say pray for grace and peace? It's not a trick question. I just read it to you. Did, did he say pray for grace? No, he didn't say you pray for grace and peace. He said grace and peace is added to you, as you know. No, he didn't say added. He said multiply. I don't know, but if someone is adding to me blessing, I'd I much rather have multiplication than addition. you with me? Five plus five is ten. Five times five is twenty-five. The big difference. And he said grace and peace are multiplied. How? Through the knowledge of Jesus. So who is Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, which is the Logos. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So as we know the Logos, God speaks the rhema to us, and His life is released for us in that specific situation we're in. Listen, here's, here's where I want to get, the last part of this verse. He says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And, uh, and again, we just saw in Corinthians, it says that we move from glory to glory. By which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, you may be partakers. Don't blow over that. Did he say you will be? No. He said you may be. What does that mean? That means there's opportunity there. How does the opportunity come? Through being intentional and doing it on purpose. So what does that look like? It looks like this. What are you doing different today than you were doing last year this time? Not just in your believing. What are you doing different today? I'm not talking about your Duke. Please, it's... I'm not scared of the word do. Because if you don't do anything, you, you, you don't do anything. You just, it's pointless. And you're unfulfilled. But our doing comes out of our being. Every one of us did something this morning. I thank God every one of you did something this morning. Put your clothes on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that I'm not a nervous speaker that I have to imagine everybody in their underwear anymore. That's very distracting. You're all fully clothed in my mind. Thank you, Lord. You did that. You were intentional in that. Whether it be, again, I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. They just make a liar out of a lot of people. That's what they do. They start... you. <laughs> y'all thou didst run well what doth hinder thee <laughs> but we can be intentional and say you know what lord there are things that i'm going to set and and here's the thing a uh, habit is not a bad thing unless it becomes a ritual because a ritual has no life in it it's just what you do And see, we can establish habits that have no life in them, and then all we have is rituals that we do every day. We become religious, but there's no life released in it to us or through us. I did it in my devotional time. I'm still to this day very religious in my devotional time. There's 365 days a year. I would say 355 days I'd have devotional time. I might miss 10 days a year. Maybe, where I do the same thing over and over. I read a proverb every day. I have two other devotional books that I read every day. I I pray Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through the end of the prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, (laughs) Colossians chapter 1, 9. I declare over you every morning. Do you understand that? Every morning I pray over our church family. I declare Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, has given us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, eyes of, in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened so that we might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are according to the work of his mighty power, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and dominion, every name of his name, not only in this age, but also in the one that's to come. I declare that over us every morning. Is that wrong? No. That's right, but you know what? When I do it now, I do it with expectancy that God we're going to see, people are going to see today in their life, that they have a, they're doing something. they go, "Man, that had to be a God, a God idea." Amen. You know why? Because I prayed for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so just know, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I, I don't do it just out of doing. It's, I've shared this before. We do an offering declaration just because it sounds good. No, we don't. We do it because I do that with expectancy over our people, over our church, that, God, you're gonna ha- we're going to have more than enough to partner with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Because he's worthy. He's worthy of it. Listen, he said that you may be. Partakers of the divine nature. You know what that word partakers is? Koinonia. You know what that literally means? Partners. It literally means that we might be fellowshipping in his divine nature. In whose divine nature? His divine nature. That we are partnering with him in the earth. What an awesome privilege. And you know what? As I said, that looks different for every one of us. There are people that Jacob will reach that I won't reach. There are people that John will reach that I won't reach. That Melanie, Samuel. There are people that we encounter every day that we have the opportunity to be light in life to. And what I'm saying is this. As we press into this new year, That we would be intentional that our attention would not be on us, but on him And if I believe that I am distinguished that I have purpose that I am set apart that I am precious in his sight That he paid a great price for me Then I can believe that when i'm standing in line and the lord put something on my heart for the person in front of me that I can share it. You didn't hear me You know, it might be that you buy their groceries. It could be something much more simple than that. It could be that God gives you a word of knowledge because that person, I don't know about you, have you ever been in a place, you ever been in a grocery store or something like that, and you see somebody that looks familiar. Their face reminds you of somebody. And then a few minutes later, you see them again, and they don't really look that way to you. And you go, man, I wonder what that was all about. Many times, that's a word of knowledge that God is saying... He. Because when you saw that person and you thought about a, protect, a particular thing about that person, the Lord wanted you to encourage the person you saw in that. Are you tracking with me? You can see somebody and they go, man, that reminds me of so-and-so. And when you're reminded of that person, you're reminded of an event. Are you with me? That happened in that person's life. I'm not saying every time, but many times that's what it is. I've stepped out in that and it would be spot on. And you know what? Sometimes I miss it. Here's what I know for a fact. If I don't step out, I'll miss it every time. Whose miracle are we holding on the inside and holding it like it's ours and it doesn't belong to us? (laughs) He said that we're partakers. Koinonia, partnership. How does that happen? I'll end with the Christmas story. Not the story, just one verse in it that I've been been meditating on for years, but this uh, a lot uh, the past couple of weeks. And then I listened to a message from Bill Johnson. He actually touched on it as well. Uh, In Luke 2, verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary was what? Intentional. She was intentional in where she set her thoughts. know, the Bible talks about our thoughts. It says, casting down imaginations in every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing them into the obedience of Christ. What does that say? Bringing it unto His obedience. Not our Our obedience. So the way that we get authority over those thoughts is we bring them into the obedience of Christ and what He accomplished and that I am in Him sealed until the day of redemption. That our attention is so set on the one that's worthy then when opportunity presents itself I'm willing to step out and step in. You know, one of the things too as I was, uh, as I was studying the Lord just took me back to... Uh, when David was going after the ark. And he went after it wrong the first time, put it on the ox cart, and the ox stumbled, and Uzzah touched it, and Uzzah died, and David got mad and put it at Obed-Edom's house. And how I got to that is this, is I was just meditating, talking about setting my attention on him, and it says, I'd be, you know, Psalm says, I'd rather be a, uh, I'd rather be a gatekeeper at the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know who was a gatekeeper at the house of the Lord? Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was a gatekeeper of the house of the Lord. He was one that God established after the ark ended up at his house because of disobedience. It ended up at his house. And Obed-Edom, it says that he was blessed. In the few months that the ark was at his house, it says that he was blessed. So much so that word got back to David and said, You know where the ark's resting at Obed-Edom's house? He said, Yeah. He said, Man, he's blessed. Everything in his house is blessed. He's just blessed. David said, I want the ark. Was David after the blessing? No. Because David was after the ark, the presence of God before he saw the blessing. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. David wasn't after the blessing. He knew he was after the God of the blessing. And his presence meant everything to him. But with that that presence was the blessing. Now answer me this. That was a box made, overlaid with gold. The mercy seat on top was solid gold. Two angels facing each other, where the blood was applied. I, I've shared this. The symbolism in that is just beautiful to me. Inside, marked man's rebellion against God's authority, against His commandments, against His leadership. The Aaron's rod that budded, the manna—they were—they uh, they mocked. Uh, they were—they uh, rebelled against God's provision. And then there were the Ten Commandments inside of it. But it, on top of it was the mercy seat, two angels facing each other. And it's where the blood was applied. And, and this, I was in Israel last January, and I looked in what they believed to be the tomb. And you, you saw where it was uh, hewn out where he was. And then when Mary, I believe it was Mary, I can't remember if it was Mary or Peter, looked in and there was two angels at each end. That's the mercy seat. They said, he's not here, he's alive. He's alive. He paid the price. But that ark, that physical piece of furniture from the, the tabernacle caused the blessing of God to be on Obed-Edom's house so much so that it got all the way to David and said, man, Obed, his house is blessed. But here's what's so awesome. Obed-Edom left his house and all the blessing to go watch the door of the temple. (laughs) Because Obed realized something, that blessings, things come and go, but the one who blesses will never leave us nor forsake us. And he said, instead of living in a house that's full of blessing, I'd rather be with the one who gives the blessing. That's what I'm passionate for. There are a lot of people who will chase a blessing but I promise if we get hold of the blesser, that blessing will come out of us. It won't be something we want to hold on to. And if God purposes for us to move to another place, we won't be so consumed with the blessing that we can't let go of it to follow Him. That's a beautiful place to be. That we're not just stuck in the good thing and we miss the great thing. Huh? That's what the Lord has for us that we could press into as we set our gaze on him, that we don't get stuck in the good thing. Obed-Edom, his house was blessed. His house was blessed, and, but he was willing to walk away from that to follow the one who was blessing. So I say this, if that was in the type and we have Christ in us, How much more should we allow His power and presence to flow through us to be a blessing everywhere we go? Even if you're on the way through to your breakthrough, you can still be a blessing where you are. But you have to be intentional. And the only way that you can be a blessing in the midst of your breakthrough is because your eyes aren't set on you, but they're set on Him. Because in the midst of that... And I'm going to tell you, some of my closest friends, I've watched them in the midst of challenge keep their eyes on the Lord and watch them be such tremendous blessings to people around them. And the people that got blessed through their life have no idea what that challenge they're facing. Have no idea. You know why? Because it wasn't about them, it was about Him.